Hey, everybody. Greg Mahochko of the Five Heart Podcast, joined by John Dam Johnston, coordination.com. And uh, just a, a quick little housekeeping uh, note for you. You may be looking at your podcast app, be it Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or I suppose wherever you find or have been listening to the Five Heart Podcast and say, wait a minute, that's not... The, the the big gorilla or the big monkey throwing the bones. That's not the Five Heart podcast logo that uh, we've come to know and love. And that's right. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. The Five Heart podcast is very much still a part of the Jittery Monkey podcast network over at jitterymonkey.com. But because of the resources of SB Nation, uh, we are, I guess, John, officially an SB Nation network podcast now. It kind of looks that way. And uh, we are, we're hoping that it, it leads to, uh, obviously, more exposure for us because we always want to expose ourselves more. <laughs> uh, we will tell you that we are going to have ads because we're capitalist pigs. We don't know what the ads are for. Perhaps there'll be things like bacon that everyone loves. Or I, I guess people don't sell puppies, do they? Um, they do over the Internet. Oh, okay. Well, maybe there'll be ad, ads for puppies. I mean, you see them. You know, it's like, hey, not quite free to a good home, but $200 for this AKC, you know, registered pure blood dachshund. I don't know. I don't know what the going price is for a dachshund these days. I would never <laughs> consider that as a dog. But, uh, but what, what we want to tell you is that, you know, and, and the changes happened – just earlier this week, uh, I, I got it on my, uh, you know, of course, I subscribe to the podcast on a few different uh, apps just to make sure that everything continues to run smooth. So I know that on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, you know, the new logo is up uh, and, and in use. Uh, it started to automatically download uh, the, the newest episode uh, from last week, which was Husker Hockey. And, uh, uh, of course, don't forget they are in action tonight. 8 o'clock against Missouri State in uh, the regional, uh, I guess it would be quarterfinal. Uh, so you can st- stream that or, or you can view that on the live stream. Anyway, that, all that's in the podcast coming up uh, here in just a, a moment or two. Uh, but the uh, art is is a more SB Nation-esque uh, art. Uh, everything should be streamlined. That we John worked diligently uh, to you know go through the Jittery Monkey uh, you know, site which is a WordPress, which is not his forte, uh, but he was able to get everything redirected so that everything should be seamless, uh, and that uh, the new episodes would continue to uh, appear in your phone uh, magically. John, I gotta say, what I'm most excited about uh, with all this, uh, aside from being capitalist pigs, is the fact that right there on Coronation.com uh, is there's going to be the embedded player. Uh, back uh, on the page and not just on the page for the podcast itself, like on the on the link or, or the article for the podcast, but pretty much on anything that is published on Coronation, you can have the option to listen to the podcast while you read or, you know, get caught up on some episodes. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people listened to it that way. Uh, sure appreciate everybody who is, you know, stuck around while the embedded player has, you know, had its issues, um, but it's going to be coming back in a bad way. And and again, John, this is what I like about this as well. And and I I, I know like I'm being a SB Nation uh, shill here, uh, but uh, this allows us to add 
podcast, Corn Nation podcast, different perspectives, different points of view uh, about you know Husker related uh, you know topics and things like that that are not you know somebody else could have their own show. John, you could have your own show every week, just the John Dam Johnston show. And would 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 Alex Jones come on it? (laughs) (laughs) Should talk for five hours. Probably not. God, um, that's good. Because I, <laughs> I, I, would would anybody want that? I'd listen. I'd listen to the shit out of that. You kidding me? Oh my god, that's terrifying. But we, it would be. You know what? We're always seeking more voices and more opinions. And I've always wanted to have a website that. Uh, well, I think we do have diverse opinions, and uh, I do think we have. You know, different viewpoints about a lot of subjects, and I've never been a, a site manager that wanted to say you have to say this about this and only this, and have this, uh, you know, direction or this uh, perspective point of view. So, you know, if you want to join us, Can, you're welcome to let us know. I think I think Patrick has has been uh, uh, getting a bit of a podcasting bug uh, to the point where he reached out to me about, you know, what kind of equipment that I use. I think, could you imagine, just hear me out, and I know it's, you know, the end of the season, but a Nebraska ball podcast with Patrick, Mitch, Cade, that could have some legs to it, uh, especially with what could be a really interesting Nebraska men's basketball offseason. So, you know, again, it's just, uh, we we can look in-house, for you know, coordination podcasters. Uh, but if you're listening to this, and you're like, you know, damn, I've always wanted to have a a podcast that's Husker related. Reach out to me uh, or John, uh, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, whatever you got to do. Uh, just say, hey, um, this this could be fun, and uh, it, it it might uh, benefit you. Uh, I, I, can I say, John, that it might benefit them monetarily as well, or, or is that going too far? Well. It, it it could. I mean, it always it's always dependent upon your ability to grow an audience. That that's why I'm not making any money as a podcaster. Well, we'll see what happens <laughs> with this increased increased exposure. I am all about exposing myself to make money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's America. So so uh, again, long story short. Uh, hopefully, if you're getting this seamlessly and nothing has changed for you except for maybe a, a little bit of artwork i don't think the podcast themselves say five heart podcast anymore i think it's just as coronation for nebraska corn husker fans but that's okay you know you're listening to the five heart podcast at least in the title i'll still put five heart podcast in there and as john mentioned uh, there might be an ad or two uh in you know as as the show grows and and as the uh, audience grows uh, then you know. Hopefully, we can get some some decent advertisers on here, not ones that annoy you. Um, we'll do the best we can. We don't really have any say in that, uh, but at least I don't think we do. But uh, we're excited for this next. Uh, we've been working hard on this, John, for about a month now uh, since these plans were kind of announced to us. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, as always, man, I appreciate you. We're, we're going to have a great conversation with Haas uh, here in just a minute. And uh, uh, you, did you realize? that when you sat in for one episode that you become a regular? No, I didn't because I didn't think anybody would really want to listen to me that much. And, and can I just say, I think, and maybe it's, you know, 
my bias, Haas's bias, but I think the listeners as well. I think you're the best part of the show. Uh, of all the legs on the tripod, your your leg is by far the biggest, my friend. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we've announced the changes we should go so I can, like, I don't know, clean myself off or something. <laughs> well, hey, you know, we're, announced, we're recording this uh, little uh, PSA or announcement Thursday night. Uh, of course, the episode is dropping Friday morning. We recorded the actual episode with Haas Wednesday night. You remember how things got out of control uh, at the end of the episode. So uh, it's going to be fun, everybody. We encourage you uh, to don't go anywhere. We're going to, you know, the, the, as far as the amount of break that we're going to take right now, we're not going to take a break. We're going right into the intro, then the episode. Myself, Haas, John Dam Johnston. Haas's return, course banquet is flowing like uh, uh, waterfalls, Niagara Falls, and... and uh, uh, Legendary elk piss. I was thinking of another falls, like another... What's another famous falls somewhere? Uh, Viagra Falls. Viagra. That's on. Oh, I'm sorry, Niagara Falls. That, that is on theme, everybody. If you're scratching your head and wondering why Viagra Falls is on theme, stay tuned to the show. The Five Heart Podcast is next. Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me, John Dam Johnston, the founder of Coordination himself, and back to the podcast after six grueling weeks. Woo! Oh, you know that sound. I, I said it. It was going to happen. That's... A tall 24 ounces of Coors Banquet in honor of Haas Reuter. Haas, woo! Welcome back. Well, you know, Greg Mahochko, <laughs> it's good to be back. Can I just say, that's my first ever taste of Coors Banquet, and it's shit. <laughs> it's not that bad. I got it. Wait, hey, 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 is it pronounced Coors or Coors? I always thought it was Coors. Coors. What is it, Haas? Coors. 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 It's kind of like Coors if, like, if you're from west of York. <laughs> no. Uh, I, it's kind of like Cooters without the T. <laughs> Cooters. Cooters. Um, all right, so Coors. Here, I got, I got my Coors. Glug, 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 glug. Mm. Tastes like Rocky Mountain stream water mixed with legendary elk piss. <laughs> Those elks really know how to brew it. That's why they're legendary. <laughs> hey, that's the trick for me. It's kind of like, you know, Coors Banquet's kind of like the state slogan in Nebraska. It's not for everyone. So, full disclosure, <laughs> the the Coors Banquet is not horrible. I'll certainly drink it. Um, Thank you. Can, can I now share? you just got to get to the point that you drink about 17 of them, you know, on a game day where there's an 11 a.m. kick, and then you sit around watching college football all day. I'll do that 
if I'm watching football live with you, Hoss, but if I'm here with my family, I'm probably not going to do that. It's a bad idea. Can I share a, a beer-fetching story with you, gents? Of course. Sure. So last Friday, uh, March 1st, I got an early start to work. I think I got there about 5.30, got off work at about noon, had time you know, come home, had lunch with my wife. We went out. It was great. She had sushi. I had not sushi. Uh, went and got our son from daycare, went to the grocery store, and I bought beer. I bought this tall boy of Coors Banquet, and I bought a six-pack of another beer for uh, my other podcast, uh, Nerds United, over at JitteryMonkey.com. Uh, the co-host, uh, Mike, comes over, and you know we'll drink some beers, and we'll talk some shop and, 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 and things like that. But he ended up, that, that was supposed to be Friday night, but because of the fact that I for, forgot for a little bit that uh, I was up at 4.30 in the morning, I wasn't feeling like podcasting that night, so we ended up uh, shelving that till Sunday. But we went back to the store Saturday, and I got more beer. My wife says, you just bought beer yesterday. You haven't drank it yet. I said, no, honey, that's podcasting beer. And I said, the Coors Banquets for the Five Heart Podcast for Haas's return. I said, the Founders Premium Lager is for Nerds United. I just need cooking around the house beer so i got some cooking around the house beer and she thinks i'm crazy that's all that's my story well, was it paps blue ribbon oh no it was uh 42 you sat and the you sat there and that first swig tasted like rusted out detroit metal and lost pension checks no no i i was it was quality locally brewed 4204 main street brewery belleville illinois salted caramel uh pecan ale that sounds pretty tasty. It was. It's damn good. It's. I do have a question for you. Speaking what? of Illinois beers. Fire have you ever had question. Haymarket beer from Chicago. Haymarket. Yes. I don't believe so. Because I've got a reservation on Saturday, March sixteenth, at Mike Ditka's Steakhouse for when I'm in Chicago. Looked at their menu online, and much to my dismay, they did not have Coors Banquet or Shinerbach, but they have Haymarket. Can I just say that you keep going to Illinois, but you keep going to the wrong part of Illinois? Like your your podcast buddy and fellow Husker fan is in Southern Illinois, and you Wait, keep going a, to Chicago. There's places in Illinois outside of Chicago. The Electoral College would disagree, but yes, in fact, there are. <laughs> I've been through Southern Illinois once on the way to Florida in July of 2015. I was here. You should have stopped. There's like 94 out. miles of interstate without a rest stop, and I had, my back teeth were floating. I really had to pee. If you can't hold it for 90, here's the thing. Can't, it was like four cups of coffee from like Columbia, Missouri, all the way into Kentucky. So I, you know, it's no secret. I used to live and work out in Shadron, and on occasion, you know, I drive either to the eastern part of the state, or you know, I I drive back home to southern illinois you know for a week or whatnot i would make one stop and it was in north platte and i would fill one tank and empty another and then i was back on the road i am not See, a i'm not I can, a i can normally do that mm-hmm. but columbia missouri all the way to into actually no i think it was columbia missouri all the way into clarksville tennessee so the the mistake you made is you should have uh got off of the rest stop at exit 20 23 or 24 in Illinois. Uh, that would have been I, – I could have met you there, by golly. I could have, I could have shared a, a cup of brew with you. Uh, brewed, cold brewed coffee, of course, everybody. Oh, We're safe. Uh, Dude, cold brew cup now. 
I'd have brought you. It's got, it's got to be hot, black, and damn near chewable. So this is, a, this is an excellent example <laughs> of what is called priming. Have you ever heard of priming? Uh, no, but I have a feeling you're going to enlighten us. Yeah, it's, it's where you, you say a phrase or you use some words and then you prime a conversation that continues after you've done that. So I mentioned legendary elk piss and you guys <laughs> run off into breath stops all over the United States and driving and peeing. Couldn't this just be called the the Five Heart Priming Podcast? I mean, because that's kind of how most of our topics of conversation get started on. Well, that actually, you know what? We're gonna make you a shirt, John, that just says Prime. I like that. Yeah, Prime, damn Johnson. You know what? That's John Prime. That's in the book of good ideas, and uh, maybe by next week's episode, we can have that available at jitterymonkey.com/shop. Along with the shirt that just said "juice," fire. Juice. So prime, prime juice. Prime, <laughs> prime, prime juice. It's like do you guys remember Bernard Thomas, who played DN for Nebraska in like '01. Yeah. 04. I went to Fan Day in 2004, and I got his autograph. And he signed on a black shirts poster that I bought at Fan Day. He signed his left bicep and i'm sitting there in the car afterwards and i'm trying to like read the handwriting of all the players you know to see whose autographs were who and i could not for the life of me figure out how bernard thomas spelled you know wrote his name like this doesn't even look like it'd be bernard thomas it's not in cursive it's not like in the typical autograph you know handwriting just squiggly you know lines and then it dawns on me, like, a couple days later as I'm reading it, he signed it just crunk juice. <laughs> and I've, I've got that poster still in storage. I mean, and it was framed, much to my dismay. It was a 2004 Blackshirts poster. And, well, not ne- a lot needs to be said about that year's defense, except for the fact we gave up 70 points in one game to Texas Tech. But, yeah, I could probably dig that out and take a picture of it. And, yeah, it'd say crunk juice. Well, you know, mistakes were made, lessons were learned, and uh, I think that was the year he also told people before the season he was going to break Trev Albert's single-season sack record. I don't think that happened. No, no, I don't think he even had three. So, speaking of football... So, Bernard Thomas is a fan of the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just stating the facts. Can we add him in on Twitter this week? And- I, I, I value life and limb. <laughs> That's right. Nobody knows your real name on the show. Or, or I mean, in, in the listener, listening audience, they don't know your real first name, right? I mean, uh, Haas. So. I'm not hard to find. <laughs> um, well, let's get after it. It's been a while. Uh, Haas, you took a sabbatical, uh, and yeah. you, were, you had some schoolwork and things that you need to prioritize, and we certainly understand that. So uh, welcome back. Uh, ten, 10 minutes into the show, welcome back, and uh, uh, hey, this Coors Banquet, it sure is a beer. You know, I'll, I'll drink to that, Greg. Uh, we, we're not going to talk Nebraska ball, we don't want to depress anybody. Uh, we do want to remind people that as if you're listening to this on Friday, March 8th, that the Nebraska uh, Men's Hockey Club is in action tonight. In the regional tournament, they're taking on uh, Missouri State. That is 8 o'clock when the puck drops. 
and uh, I will be sharing uh, later today. The uh, it's going to be live stream, so you can watch it uh, for free. Bless you, uh, and I'll uh, have that information for you via Twitter and Facebook. Um, so be looking for that. Uh, just as a reminder, Nebraska, the number three seed, uh, and if they beat Missouri State uh, and a couple other games after that, then they are uh, headed to the national championship uh, qualifying bracket. Best way I can phrase that. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, that's hockey. Uh, that's a, a good winter uh, sports uh, team. Men's basketball, not so much. Um, let's talk a little spring ball because, by golly, the team reported for duty. And uh, some some news has come out of Lincoln, as it does in the springtime. Yeah, it's that time of the year when everyone's an All-American. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I will look forward to the plaque in the mail. Yeah, you know, it's it's gains season from winter conditioning, lifting a lot, all them weights, eating, you know, to make gains. It's, it's the time where hope springs eternal. And we're not quite to the point where I talk myself from Thinking that we'll be seven and five, eight and four, to suddenly we're going to go all the way and be the greatest team since '95 Nebraska. That's usually Fourth of July when that happens. Well, I was just going to ask, and, and John, <coughs> looking for your input here, I was just going to say, what's? Let's go ahead and get that you know very first uh, unnecessarily early prognostication out of the way. Um, Haas, uh, in in a, in a best case scenario, as of you know the first or second week of March you're going to say 8-4 and four right now? Well, I, I'm going to say okay, 7-5 and 8-4, and four, that's contingent on the defense not improving. Best case scenario, like the defense improves, we have a good front 7 against the run, and we manufacture just a little bit of a pass rush. I'll say 9-3, and 10-2. and two. John? I really haven't thought about this. I thought we were going to go right into the you know, spring ball and everybody's the greatest thing. I was going to be sunshine pumper guy. That's not until oh, 4th of July. Really? That's a long ways away. That, that's when I start talking myself into going, well, hell, we're going all the way. Can we- I think 8 and 4 is a, I like 8 and 4. Eight and four. I like to set my expectations low, so I'm not disappointed. And you know, let's face it; I mean, it's it's been a disappointing twenty years. That's what I tell Under my wife. Under promise and over deliver. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I tell my wife. Um, <laughs> but oh my god! So let's just a quick reminder to anybody who maybe hasn't looked at the schedule or thought too much about it in the last couple of months: uh, South Alabama. At Colorado and then home against Northern Illinois. That's your non-conference schedule. Northern Illinois, interested to see what a good Nebraska team can do against them because that'd be the first that, that you know in recent memory that we've had a good Nebraska team against Northern Illinois. Yeah, it'd be nice to you know really put a beat down on them and let's not have a repeat of you know one of the darker days this program's ever seen. I mean, I went to a bar in West Omaha after that game to get some dinner with friends, it was like we were at a funeral wake. The entire bar, Addie's on 204th and between Center and Pacific. 
just, I mean, I'm surprised they weren't playing funeral dirges. It was, it, it might have been, if, if you look back at it, it might have been the best thing that happened, uh, you know, to oh. Husker football in recent memory. It, it Because. In the moment, it sucked. Yeah, well, absolutely. But you also, you know, when you hit rock bottom, there's only one place you can go. And, uh, I, you know, I certainly think the steps have been taken to uh, ensure that, you know, those types of outcomes don't happen anymore. Um, John, I don't know. Under Mike Riley, though, and for the first part of this seat past season, 2018, it seemed like gravity was gone in terms of hitting rock bottom. We were just floating there for a while. We found – I say we like, you know, I, I'm, I was in the locker room or something, but the team – No, I love the collective we. I know. I, you know, that, more fans need to say it. But the, the team found its footing, and, uh, you know, it, the, more wins are going to come. I don't have any doubt about that in my mind. I, you know, the, this, they're going to kick ass in the non-conference schedule, uh, and that includes the trip uh, September 7th to Boulder. Because if you don't go into Boulder and punch them in the face, then I don't know. And I think I think our friends over at the Big Red Cobcast are talking about going to that game, and and that's always I am fun. Too. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing their thoughts both uh, before and after uh, the trip to Boulder because that's a game that we need to be up like 56 to three halfway through the third quarter and just continue stepping on their throats after the shit that they pulled last year. Oh sure. I want nope. to, I don't disagree with that. I think that the Colorado game next year will uh, sets a tone for the rest of the season. This is a basketball where you can have your spurts and ups and downs, right? This is a, a thing where you start out the season and, and play a game, and then you, uh, you continue to build on what you did in the first game, and then you build in the second game going into the third. So, <clears throat> you know, Colorado. We're undefeated going into the Iowa game. Yeah, exactly. Well, Except uh, it's not July 4th yet. No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> about four months off. I can well, what the hell? Have some more Coors Banquet. Right now. John, uh, clarify for me, because uh, I certainly don't disagree with what you said about that, uh, you know, maybe the way the season goes, you know, the the Colorado game being kind of a microcosm of that. But that's good or bad, right? If if you stumble in Boulder, that, that could be – or am, am I – Am I reading too much into it? Am I am I putting? I feel like if you put all the weight of the season on that Colorado game on the positive side, if they stumble, you got to almost put the keep the weight on there on the negative side. Like, well, if they can't do it, you know, at stinking Colorado, then how are they going to do it at Minnesota in October? Or you know, how are they going to do it, uh, you know, at Maryland in November or home against Iowa? You know, it, it, am, I, am I making sense? Like, if it, the the Colorado game, good or bad, uh, will kind of perhaps define the season, or, or is that is that just okay? Then I'll di- I'll disclaim what I just said. Okay, okay. If you're going to have a ten and two season, it starts at Colorado. Yeah, if, if okay. we're going to go ten and two, there are no slip ups in the non con, and really, I mean, I'm just going to say this right, you know, point blank, you know, no mistakes about it. Who outside of Ohio State can really slow down this offense? Well, and, and I'm glad that you brought Ohio State into the conversation because that's where I was going to go next. You get Ohio State 
at the end Ooh. of September, uh, you know, uh, five you know weeks in, and new head coach, largely, you know, okay, it's Ohio State, so we know the talent is there, um, but new head coach, probably similar system or scheme. Do you have catching them in September has to make you perhaps a little bit more comfortable in catching them in November, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you saw what they did last year. I mean, we played them November 3rd, and then, I mean, we took them to the limit. I, we, at one point, we could have had their asses on the ropes, and we let them off the hook to invoke a little bit of the late Denny Green. But look at where they were against Michigan three weeks later. You know, they, they put a beat down on a very good Michigan team. They're the kind of team that gets stronger as the year goes on. Yeah. Getting them early, getting them with a head coaching transition, even though Ryan Day was on staff. I mean, Nebraska still took a step back in 98 after Osborne retired and Solich took over. You know, the, that's the best-case scenario, catching them early. There's no Dwayne Haskins. There's no Paris Campbell. Um you know, they lose a few good, really good offensive linemen. So if you're going to get them, get them early. Get, get them early before Justin Fields or whoever is their first-year starting quarterback, you know, is basically a veteran late in the season. Now, conversely, when you look at the schedule, you, you got that Wisconsin game in the middle of November, and I know that they've had some, you know, wintry games with Wisconsin, but I think I really like a Nebraska – you know, team in the middle of November against Wisconsin, especially at home, versus you know, Wisconsin's going to—they're not going to do anything flashy, but they're going to do you know some some really disciplined, uh, fundamental football. But I like a Nebraska team in November against Wisconsin more so than in September. Well, the thing that I hope for in that Nebraska-Wisconsin game on November sixteenth is. That's one of those nice, unseasonably warm, 55-degree, golden sunshine days in November. I mean, just perfect weather to put the put the horses out there and let them run. Get J.D. Spielman open. Let Mo Washington go to work. Wandale Robinson, you know, whoever steps up at the tailback position. But, yeah, I, the one thing that does concern me about Wisconsin on November 16th is not so much that game, even though it's – I mean, we haven't beaten them since 2012, so you always have to be concerned with Wisconsin. But it's that final stretch of three games. Wisconsin on November 16th. we got to go to Maryland on November 23rd, you know, halfway across the country. And then coming off of a, you know, long road trip, even though they'll be flying, we got to play Iowa on a short week. And that that makes it a little bit challenging. It kind of reminds me of the year that we played Michigan State on November 16th. Had to turn around and go to Penn State and win a game in overtime in the snow. We had a lot of injuries in that game and then turned around and played Iowa, you know, six days later. And I think they beat our asses 38-17. That was when Bo swung his hat at the official. But that that's kind of a tough stretch because guys are worn down you know, banged up at that point in the season. Well, you kind of jumped over some games there. <clears throat> I did. Um, well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you want to you want to have a good season. You want to have a season to remember. You got to win in November. It's the stretch run of the season, just like December is in the NFL. Okay, I, well, you got Northwestern right after Ohio State. 
I like catching Northwestern early, too. I mean, even though it's only a week ahead of where we played them this past season. I would like, going back to Wisconsin real quick, and I, I was I was being selective for a reason, um, and that's not to you know fly over anybody, um, but I would like that Wisconsin game to determine who was going to win the West. Like, I want Iowa and Iowa to be so far behind us that the winner of Wisconsin-Nebraska on November 16th is going to Indianapolis. See, here's here's the thing, and this might just be my Iowa disdain <laughs> that I hold for the Hawkeyes. I want the winner of the West Division to come down to the Nebraska-Iowa game, and I want either one of two things to happen. Either we beat their asses so badly that the hatred that their fans hold for us becomes like a genetically inherited trait in the state of Iowa. <laughs> or I, I'm talking like 70 to nothing. Just, I mean, just an absolute molly whopping. Or we beat them in the most painful, last second, excruciating way. Like Iowa's up four. Nate Stanley's going to take a knee. They botch the snap, and Mo Berry runs it back, you know, for the winning touchdown. Just something so incredibly painful to Iowa fans. How about a Barrett-Pickering game-winning field goal? Walk-off. No, field goal, I mean, walk-off field goals are cool, but they're a little bit trite in terms of, you know, game-winners. I'm talking, like, they think nothing can go wrong for them, and then, you know, their center, you know, Nate Stanley drops the snap, and in a scrum, you know, one of our guys comes up with it and runs it back as time expires. You went the old. How, uh, how about if we're down by twenty with four minutes left? We come back. Is forced is forced to punt three times. Three times he gets blocked. Punts blocked. <laughs> that, and that his would punt loving ass is all like God. No punts. That no. would be a perfectly excruciating way for Iowa fans to experience defeat at our hands. But I'm not going to lie, if we were down 20 with four minutes to play, I'd probably be in the hospital with a stroke from the past 56 minutes of game play. <laughs> you'd I, be I, in I, detox. That's where you'd be. You'd no, be having a stroke. It'd probably be full-blown aneurysm just, you know. I mean, hell, when Iowa faked the field goal on us this year inside the five and we stopped them, I got up from my chair so quickly in just a fit of rage, I mean, like, I thought I was going to just keel over and pass out. I mean, I was saying stuff about the Ferentz family that I should probably never repeat, you know, to anybody. <laughs> I was I was pissed. Okay, I'm going to go back to Northwestern. Okay, fine. Well, we got, we got to kick their ass, too. Well, here's the thing that I, you know, I mean, most Nebraska fans look at Northwestern and I, we go, well, they're beneath us. But they're the two, they're one team that uh, they seem to, you know, they're going to be our rival. Yeah. I mean, nobody and wants to say that, but every game we play them has been within, like, three points. Remember, it's always remember coming down last to the year end. when I said the game would go to overtime at 31 and we win 45-38, and you said, you think you made fun of me saying... I was trying to be a soothsayer, you know, whatever term you used. We went to overtime at 31. Game didn't work out quite as I thought it would. But after being at that game in Chicago, I never want to lose to Northwestern ever again. No, but I, they're, you know, they're always going to be interesting. Yeah, and then after always, that, they're well coached. 
They and they have uh, they have a, bags. Yeah, then they have uh, who is the transfer quarterback that was at Clemson that's highly ranked. Oh, what the hell is his name? Is this Hunter or something? I don't know. Wasn't it Trevor Hunter or something? Something like that. It was something, something, like that, something yeah. strikingly similar to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor, not Lawrence. That's what it was. Okay. John Dam Johnson. Yeah, and then you got Minnesota the following week. I mean, Minnesota, we beat the hell out of them last year, and then they fired their defensive coordinator. Are, are you going to take Rotten Sun uh, to that game? What? Are you going to take Rotten Sun to that game? I don't have to take him to that game. What do you, he's like a grown adult. He can go no, on his own. No, I mean, I think I'm actually going to go up to Indi- or Minneapolis for that one. Uh, okay, so Minnesota, I mean, they found a quarterback. They found a playmaker at a wide receiver. They fired their defensive coordinator after we beat the snot out of them. And then they played decent football, and their defense played well. And the reason why I bring this up, I mean, you've got, I don't think Indiana's, you know, they're just not coming around. And then you've got Purdue. Those were the games you skipped over. And I think the thing for me is, uh, you know, the West is still wide open next year. By the way, I think uh, personally, I think the West comes down to Nebraska, Minnesota. Really? God's honest truth. By the way, the Northwestern uh, uh, quarterback transfer from Clemson, Hunter Johnson. I looked it up. Hunter Johnson. Hunter. I I got Hunter Light right. Yeah, I knew it was some Southern Beauregard type name. Uh, you all, did, did you mention Illinois, the first conference game? Oh, yeah, come come why? We know you hail from that state, but it's Illinois. Yeah, but I'm going to try to get to that game. Well, hopefully it should be an ass kicking. I don't see Illinois just, they're not improving, are they? Uh, well, there, there's, Lovey's playing the game. There's hope, but I don't know anything <laughs> about them, so. No. Yeah, there's, there's hope for some people in Nebraska basketball, too. I mean, my God. Let, let's just be happy. Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Shit. Oh, I got it back. <laughs> You're not even that old. Let, let's that just drunk. be happy that we don't have to have a game like Bethune-Cookman this year. All right? That was the least excited I have ever been. Watching a Husker game. Never say never. We could get one that uh, gets lightninged out again. Don't you put that evil on me, Greg? <laughs> that that. Oh God! I'm I'm, so I'm already I'm already circling a Saturday, October nineteenth. Uh, it's the it's the bye week between Minnesota and Indiana. We're gonna we're gonna make up a, a game somewhere. Maybe I don't know South Dakota State or I don't know something. Hell, if our defensive front doesn't get fixed, we might. Get our asses ran on by them. Well, all right, let's go with uh, well, you know, you, Nebraska okay. Carney. Okay, that, we, you know, we can find a win there. <laughs> you, the, the thing you just said, I mean, we could talk about uh, position groups, or we could talk about position groups each week. Which I like each week. Said, leads me to ask the question, which position group are you most worried about? Defensive line. Nah, you know, I like the pieces we have on the D-line. Um, interior offensive line. Offensive line's always going to be 1A on every list of concern that I ever have regarding Nebraska football. Well, that's because you're an offensive line coach. Yeah, I mean, I've just, you know, the hand-to-hand combat of 300-pound men moving other 300-pound men from point A to point B. It just, you know, it's the it's my life's work, you know. <laughs> 
But <laughs> I guess you put it that way. Pass rushers. Wait, is that a position group? Yeah, because you know we we switch back and forth so much. You know, sometimes we're in there in our tight front with three down linemen. Occasionally, we'll walk a linebacker down and be in a four-man front. And so those edge players, those pass rushers, DN, outside linebacker types, they're hybrids. So, you know, just calling them pass rushers pass rushers is easier than going on this long. Okay, sometimes we're in three down, sometimes we're in four down. But we have to develop a pass rush from those guys. Because the way our defensive front is configured, lining up with a nose guard over the center and two defensive ends lined up on the inside shoulder, the offensive tackles, we're not trying to get pressure with those three. Even if they're magnificent players, like you're not going to get pressure just with those three because of the defensive scheme, the way it's structured. So they have to consume bring, space. They consume space. They close off lanes for the quarterback to step up into or escape you know, and run downfield. So we've got to have edge guys, you know, key ends and outside linebackers who can really get after the quarterback. Now, Shaquem Griffin at UCF in 2017, he played the strong side nickel linebacker position in Shenander's scheme, meaning he stopped the run, he rushed the passer, dropped into coverage, and he was, you know, he played that position at an elite level. A guy like JoJo Doman started to emerge as that strong side nickel linebacker late in the year last season. So, that position's kind of figured out. Now, on the other side, the weak side linebacker, where most of the blitzing's going to come from, because that's going to be the guy lined up to the boundary, the short side of the field. Colin Miller is one of the guys who's kind of, you know, looking like he might play that position. You still got Breon Dixon, the old Miss transfer, who redshirted last year. Caleb Tanner's another guy that we really need to see some good development from him in the weight room and in spring and fall practice. He's a prove-it guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's enough that he shows where you're like, okay, with some development, this guy could be pretty good, but prove it, you know. In terms of Caleb Tanner, it's like consider that, you know, I'm from the state of Missouri when it comes to his performance. Show me. There you go. See, that could differentiate one of our articles from the regular media guys because every year they do a who are our prove-it guys. Yeah, show me. Right. You say us at Coronation for the duration of these articles are residents of the state of Missouri. Except it's got to be spelled Missouri. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like what we have in the secondary. I like what we'll have at inside linebacker along the defensive line, you know, with Damian or Darian Daniels, Ben Stille, uh, the Davis twins. I don't want to be too hard on the kid because he worked hard, you know, his entire career. But a guy like Freedom Akin Muladoon, kind of a, you know, he's kind of a net negative out there on the field. You know, he showed some flashes of being a good pass rusher as a true freshman in 2015. Got injured. The previous strength staff thought it was a good idea to bulk him up to about 280 for the next season. And he never really made, you know, a flashy play the rest of his career. Hmm. Talk to me, you know, as far as the linebackers go, uh, we get essentially a, a bonus year of Will Honus. 
Yep. He retained his eligibility. He's still got three years to play. Two, I believe. No, I think he's a four to play three guy. Huh. All right. Well. No, I think you're. I think he was a three to play two because he played his freshman year at Butler County. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I haven't really heard anything more about. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he's at least done some rehab stuff now because uh, he got hurt. Uh, the Purdue game? I think Frost said that they're bringing him along slowly okay. through spring ball. Yeah, he got he blew out his knee in the Purdue game. So, I mean, I, I don't know if he, he probably won't I, – I hate to rush to judgment, but probably won't see any action in the spring game or anything like that. Um, they'll keep rehabbing, keep strengthening, um, mm. you know, and then by fall make sure that he's ready to go 100%. You know, a guy like Will Honus, we could have really used him in that Iowa game. You know, he's a downhill thumper, kind of a linebacker. Just, you know, you know, when he was born, I mean, it was like God ordained him to play middle linebacker in the Big Ten. We, we needed him. Taking on fullbacks and pulling guards and tight ends or down blocking, you know, all the way up to the mic. We needed him, you know. So him and Mo Berry holding down the inside linebacker positions, I, you know, I, I like the potential there. You know, Moe's a real proven commodity. Honus showed enough on tape through, you know, four games last year to make you go, okay, well, he, you know, he's got some game. He had some nice plays against Troy, you know, and uh, we could have really, really used him. Well, we should we should see shouldn't we see significant improvement out of the defense as a whole? Just because I mean we have players that know the system now. Yeah, we definitely should. Um, along with another year's strength and conditioning under Zach Duvall, like Ben Still, I said in the uh, to the reporters the other day after spring practice, he's up to two hundred and eighty eight pounds, and you know uh, Ben Still, a pretty pretty damn good athlete. The one thing that concerns me, though, is there is nothing that familiarity with scheme can provide to bolstering a pass rush. Pass rush is about natural athleticism. And we are right on uh, schedule with all of that. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Natural athleticism. Got, you know, okay. No, no, I mean, we're on schedule with all that. Well, I mean, like, you know, as far oh, as... Oh, we're like on the, schedule in terms of development? Yeah, development and recruiting. Oh, okay. Ty Robinson is a guy that he could turn into being a pass rusher from a down lineman spot. Um, but, man, I would just kill to have a Randy Gregory in this scheme right now. You know, a guy, I mean, he was, let's face it, he was a total liability against the run. What Wisconsin and Minnesota accomplished against Gregory, I mean, that was just like a bear mauling somebody. But when it came to getting after the quarterback, making that quarterback hear footsteps and running down a quarterback, you know, from behind, there aren't too many better than, there weren't too many better than Randy Gregory. I mean, some of the plays he made in 2013, his first year as a starter, running down like Danny Etling from Purdue or Connor Cook from Michigan State. I mean, you see those plays and you think to yourself, yeah, 
Randy Gregory's got a wallet with bad motherfuckers stitched on it. Well, going back to the schedule, I mean, a bad a pass rusher. Uh, you got Ohio State, right? You got an Indiana and Purdue. I mean, we're not really facing massive spread offense here. No, it's not the. It's not uh, you're the. Gonna, you're going to see spread. You're going to see the same offense from Colorado because they retain Darren Shiverini. Ryan Day runs the spread at Ohio State. Right. Northern Illinois still runs their power smath, smash mouth spread. Um, Northwestern is just like a weird collection of concepts that they change every year depending on who what they have on hand. Minnesota's kind of dabbling into the spread offense. And then Maryland definitely will under Mike Loxley. So, I mean, we're, we're going to see a lot of good run games, whether it's from the spread or under center. But we're not going to be see well, Purdue, they they run basically the mirror image of Frost's offense. Right. And then Indiana. Yeah, Indiana's like the weird spread. It's like the, uh, it's like if Frank Solich became a spread coordinator. It's just, <laughs> not, it just it's not very imaginative. Well, he hasn't done that well there, so. Uh, he, Frank Solich runs like the basic white girl offense of college football. With uh, ask your kids what that phrase means. With the uh, pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, like the concept. They're a dime a dozen, you know. Pumpkin spice lattes, you know. Yoga pants, UGG boots, white tennis shoes. You know, uh, it, it makes more sense in my head when I call it that because it's like. You turn on college football anytime from Tuesday night action to Saturday night, you know, football on ABC. No, and like you see it. all these different concepts with, you know, coordinators putting their own twist on things. They see Frank Solich's spread offenses, and you're just kind of like, wow, like, it's just generic. It's a dime a dozen. We have a lot of dead air in this broadcast. I'm yeah, like, yeah. What's going on, John? Usually, you're a little more chatty. I know. I mean, I'm just exhausted from work. I really am. I I'm getting murdered at work. <laughs> My creativity is like, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I know. I know the feeling. Teaching has just taken it out of me. The past six weeks, just no rest for the weary. That's because you, you, you when you're around kids, they suck all the energy right out of your life. <laughs> Aww. What? You're not wrong. <laughs> well, I have no idea what he just said. He said when you're around kids, they suck all the energy out of your life. <laughs> and I said, he's not wrong. You know, when you're around, when you're around <laughs> kids, you got to bring the juice every effing day. Um. You know, like you got to match energy. Like one of my professors asked, us in class a couple Mondays ago, like, what's a app title for a movie about your semester of teaching? I was like, No Country for Old Men. I'm only 28. <laughs> every day it's like match intensity with these kids. Okay, uh, you know, you know, here's, here's another one for you. The new defensive uh, line guy. Tony Tuioti? Yeah. I like what he brings in terms of a recruiting pedigree. And I like what the Cal defenses that he was a part of accomplished in two years of, under Justin Wilcox. 
So do you think he came to Nebraska for just a pay raise or because why why stay in the Pac-12 or what? Well, would, if you were a football guy, John, if you lived, breathed, ate, and slept football, would you want to be at a school that emphasizes football as the front door of their university or would you want to be at a school like Cal Berkeley that has just a hostile, open disdain for football? Won't I fund it, won't put the money towards it, you know. And then they're no, full I'd of, be at a place that emphasizes it. And they're full of hippies. Yeah, like Timothy Leary and the LSD experiments of the 60s. All started at Cal Berkeley. Well, there's that. Oh, I just, I'm not bringing a lot of energy to this one, am I? <sighs> no, you know, I'm making up for it. Okay. Haas so, has about six weeks of uh, of, of Husker uh, passion to, to get off his chest. So, you know, and yeah, I mean, spring ball got here before we knew it, and now it's just like what 100 and, 190 days, one hundred and eighty five days until kickoff. Oh my god, that seems so long. And I, you know, I, I have to be honest with you this this time of year is just. Uh, it, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to the contrary inside of me because you get all these just glory story articles from our media, you know. And and mm-hmm. it, what's odd every year, I think, is that you know we get the stories about the new guys, but the guys that are actually like redshirt freshmen, it, it's like we forget about them completely, almost. Can, you know can, what I mean? Can that I suggest? Out of mind. Can I? And I don't. I'm. I'm not the person. I, I feel like I'd be inadvertently volunteering somebody for this, and I don't want that to be the case. But I know I don't have the the time uh, to do it right. But you know, every week during the season, we always do the five uh, reasons we'll win and the five reasons we'll lose. And by gosh, I just think it'd be great for like two or three weeks just to, you know, be that contrarian on on coordination dot com and, and or you know, against somebody and say. Well, this is why we should expect another four and eight season, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, because okay, this is this sounds is like a time. sounds like a perfect job for a salt. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! You know the thing about it is the thing about it is is say uh, I you know I've been doing this for a while. The thing about it is this is the time of the year when people expect those articles. And if you if yeah, you count, thing, don't if, don't don't piss on my shoes and tell me it's raining. Omaha World Herald. <laughs> but the like, readers want like, them to do that. I get that feeling. Remember what I, yeah. I talked about, whether or not we should pander, we should be better at pandering so we could be more well, you popular. Inter- you inadvertently just brought up a point that I wanted to make, and I thought of this when the Nebraska ball skid avalanche towards you know the depths of despair that this program's always been and began. What is up with the diehard Nebraska ball hardliners? And, you know, no offense to Pat, if he's out there listening, or Nate, or anyone who loves Nebraska ball more than they love football. But some of the Nebraska ball hardliners, if you say to them, like, yeah, Miles has got to go, they have, like, this hipster-type mentality where, like, only they are qualified to talk about Nebraska basketball. It's like, okay, I don't need to be a mechanic to know that my car is running like shit, and I don't need to be Gordon Ramsay to know that this steak tastes like shit. The product of Nebraska 
Nebraska basketball is subpar for a guy who's been there for seven years now. I, 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 on Twitter, it just they scream bloody murder anytime somebody brings up something about firing Tim Miles, and you call yourself a fan. You know these kind of people. I think it was because the seasons, the hopes for the season were so high. Well, I mean, I was a big Mike Riley guy. When I realized that that thing was going south in 2017, I just, you know, admitted, hey, I backed the wrong horse. It's time for a change. I don't think that was that hard, though. You know, when he was first hired, you can go back and look at our posts of our reactions of Mike Riley. And you know what I said? Because I'm going to break my arm, pat myself on the back. I said, this hire, if, if if it... works out then we'll have success if it doesn't work out mike riley will be here three years as a placeholder and he won't cost us an arm and a leg as a buyout that that was my you were spot on i think that was my initial response or, or reaction as well is that uh you know not being overly familiar with mike riley's body of work you know despite the decades that he's you know given to football but because because of his average, you know, uh, record at, at best, and, but his demeanor, I was like, he's just a palate cleanser, the complete opposite of Bo Pelini. From Bo you know, and 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 so he's he's just going to be, you know, you use the word placeholder. He's just going to be the guy to. I I think Excuse at the time, I, I think at the time I, I thought it would be, uh, you know, more of a, um, I don't know, it, you know, just to kind of keep us. You know, on course, uh, but as we saw in that third year, things tanked pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just I think he was brought in just because he was a complete opposite personality of, of his predecessor, and and uh, like you said, John, three years was three years, and and uh, uh, you know now we're you know the the. But here, here's I what I want to ask. Okay. What has Tim Miles done to engender so much goodwill? He pissed away any momentum from the 2013-2014 season that culminated with making an NCAA tournament. Damn near lost the team in 2015 with all the stuff that was going on, the turmoil inside the program, you know. Walt Pitchford completely checked out. Turan Petaway had family issues, and that's not on Miles. Then he goes through, you know, Typical moribund season in 15-16. 16-17 goes on a huge losing streak, and Sean Eichhorst announces that he's still coming back, you know, after we get beat by Penn State in the Big Ten tournament. Last year puts together a really nice year. We get screwed out of making the NCAA tournament. And it's like, okay, there's some, there's some palpable, you know, buzz about this program, some forward momentum. And then this year, I mean, we beat Creighton. It's like the season ended right there for these guys, and, you know, it's just been a slide. I, I just don't understand what it is about some the Nebraska ball hardliners who just, you know, they white knight for Tim Miles. Okay, two things. First of all, Tim Miles is Tim Miles, and he's got a personality that I think, you know, I I mean, what was so it? So did Danny other? Nee. Well, okay, so no. Danny, yeah, but this is, we're talking about now. We're not talking about those guys. We're talking about now. 
Oh, you come on. If son it, of if a bitch. With football, Don't make me if, come over there. football that we relitigate <laughs> everything from Solich all the way up to Riley. Come on. Right. This is fair game. Right now we're talking about Tim Miles, and you ask what he's done to he, – because he's Tim Miles, and his personality is he, – he's, he's got charisma. He won I over mean, a other, lot of people The other from night the at Michigan State, he had a fan yell at him, you're going to get fired, and he yelled back, yeah, you think so? Maybe they'll hire you. I mean, you know, I think there's, that, there's a lot of that guts. This is like the, that's almost like the Miles equivalent of when Danny Nee said after he got fired that he pities the next son of a bitch who takes this job. Okay, it's and that like leads. Gallant. You know what? That's that leads into my next point, Wiener Boy. <laughs> okay, my next point is that. Even the Nebraska basketball diehards will probably not be able to give you the names of five coaches that Moose has on his list because we can't name five coaches that we really think would want to come to Nebraska. And I know there's a lot of people that go, well, we got a great program, we got a great stadium, we got great fans, and we do have all that. Yeah, but we, we're the, we we're the worst, historically worst Power Five basketball program of right. all time. And we also have like no no, no population, so I think that's the uh, problem. There's decent basketball we... talent in the state. There really is. Okay, there's like what two guys a year? I mean, uh, just in the past, you know, five years, Justin Patton comes out of you know Omaha North. Kyrie Thomas comes out of Omaha North. I don't know if he went to North or Central. I'm kind of fuzzy on that one, but you know, Akoya Gal from Omaha South. You know, that's, and then that's going three back, guys you know, in five years. years you got Jesse Carr, Wes Eichmeyer, the Smith brothers from Ralston. Those four guys played at Colorado State under Tim Miles. I mean, there's some there's some decent talent in state. Um, there's a kid out of Millard North, Chucky Hepburn, who looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. They, you know, Creighton has built their program with a lot of Omaha guys. I can't Nebraska, but here's the thing: because like they live said, in Omaha. Find it, yeah. Omaha and Lincoln. Some some people in Lincoln act like Omaha is like south of the Mason Dixon line, or in being geographically accurate here in relation to direction, that Omaha is north of the Mason Dixon line and Lincoln is south of the Mason Dixon. We're fifty is, miles it, apart in the same geographic region in Nebraska. There's not a lick of difference between Omaha and Lincoln, except one's a little bit bigger and has better roads. <laughs> I, I i always think that the you know i always think that the the feud between lincoln and omaha is kind of bizarre myself but but it, you, it when you look at when you go back go back to basketball and you look at it and you go you're gonna fire miles what's gonna come next i don't know I, you know i think it's pretty clear that he's going to be fired so i guess well, i think you know, if, to, if i was in a position if i was bill moose one of the the criteria that I would look at is what are some, and I know people will just balk at the mention of who's an up-and-coming mid-major coach, but if you looked at who is a good mid-major coach, who's been at a program in a similar geographic situation as Lincoln, at a program for a long time with a decently sustained period of success, those are the guys that you target. Ben Jacobson from Northern Iowa. Greg Marshall from Wichita State might be a little hard to pull up to Lincoln because 
you know, he's the coach of the bell cow sport at Wichita State. They don't have football. You know, they have a baseball program, but aside from some really hard-line fans, not a lot of people follow college baseball, you know. The crowds in Omaha are a little misleading. Usually those are the corporate fans, you know, who get tickets through work. Okay, so there's- you look for you look for people who have had success in you know kind of you know lower programs because let's face it we're power five but we have more in common with the low mid majors than we do with the high mid majors. I think people would argue that's what we've done before and it's failed. And I guess you really just you kind of look at this program and you go, you can't really give up. The, the people that annoy me the most are like. Why don't we just drop basketball? Yeah, that 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 is irritating when I hear that from people. It's like I'm not the biggest basketball guy in the world, but would I love to have a good Nebraska ball program to follow in the dark months between football seasons? Yes. Baseball is just the worst sport on earth, so I don't even follow it. <laughs> I think the thing is basketball makes us millions of dollars and we- just a just a guess that we're probably contractually obligated through the Big Ten to carry men's basketball. Maybe a bunch of whiny bastards out there. You know what I think would be a good good program to try to emulate in terms of who we want to be as a basketball program? Northwestern. Florida State's had decent success as a basketball program. Are they ever going to make a Final Four? Probably not. But, you know, they put together teams that make it to the Sweet 16. You know, and as long as you're competitive, you know, and put a good product out there and, you know, get people excited in the dark winter months between football seasons, that's all you can really ask for from basketball at this university. It's never going to unseat football as the, you know, bread-winning bell cow. Okay. Can I? Next. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I want to finish up talking some football. Uh, what I've done is pulled up coronation.com uh, and uh, Jill's recap of the uh, spring football press conference from this past Tuesday, March 5th. Just want to throw a few things out at you guys, get your uh, take on them. Uh, you know, don't have to go into a whole lot of detail, but, you know, just. Uh, you know, some some quick hits. Uh, this would be the lightning round or word association, depending on how you wanted to to go about it. All right. Good, Chief. Fantastic. Lamar Jackson uh, points out something that I think it's interesting because we know about it, but we don't talk about it. But he says, "quote It is my first year to play for the same defensive coordinator for two years in a row." How? How important is that? I mean, it, it, it's obviously, I would say, priceless, but but if you think about it, it, it has been a revolving door of defensive coordinators at Nebraska over and the last few coaches. years. I think it's huge. You know, more familiarity with the coordinator and the scheme, you know, more attention to detail from the players. They're able to start, you know, really understanding the fine details, the nuances of their position in relation to a specific play call. So I think that's a I think that's a really big deal. 
I think it's a, it's about. I mean, if to put yourself in the position of one of these guys, and you're going to go get up at like five a.m. and start like I don't know lifting weights or go to two a days, and then you look at this and you go, "I'm working my ass off, and I'm supposed to." This guy ain't even going to be here next year. What's the point of this? You know, like what I mean, it gives you, you know it it gives you an attitude refresh. Yeah, it's like being in education as a teaching candidate. You know, the kids really don't care how much you know or how well you can teach until they know that you care. And that only comes with time, you know. Uh, so, Adrian. Wow, that's very profound for you. Coors <laughs> Banquet is. Drinker. <laughs> I'm like Matthew McConaughey on True Detective over here tonight, you know, just spouting off folksy homespun wisdom. All right, all right, all right. Adrian Martinez, we have talked about. The, the way that this young man has handled himself since he first ran across the field uh, before the Akron game that didn't happen. Uh, but everything about his poise, I mean, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. A um, couple of things from him. Uh, this was a tweet from Brian Christofferson at Husker247BC. Adrian Martinez says, seeing his name on Heisman Projects is humbling, but not his primary focus. Wants team to win more. Quote, that's what matters. A uh, few other things real quick. Uh, this, I think, might be my favorite Amart uh, uh, quote. I can't promise I won't make a mistake, but I'll try not to make the same mistake twice. I feel like that's important. Uh, and he had a quote about uh, Wandale Robinson. Uh, says that he's given Wandale some pointers, but says Robinson has a good head on his shoulders. Um it seems like Adrian Martinez. I I don't want to say he's you know too good to be true, but he every everything about him just makes me like him more. He knows how to speak to the media. Well, I mean, I'll take that too. But you know, it's more than he's that. He's a damn good quarterback. Well, he's it's important. I mean, Taylor Martinez. You know, Taylor Martinez was he, a good quarterback, but he wanted to play no. against road games one day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I love I the guy, go, but I he go was, to my grave saying that Taylor Martinez is the most overrated player at Nebraska ever. Okay, well, you get my point, though. I mean, it's Adrian Martinez is scoring points because he also knows how to talk to people. He knows yeah. what to say, right? Oh, for exactly. sure. He's the he is the field general on the field as the quarterback, and he's also a great spokesman for the football program. Okay, I'm going to ask a question here. I should have shown this much liveliness earlier, and now we're going to go over like four hours. It's going to be a Dan Carlin hardcore history podcast tonight. Well, if anybody, but, uh, if anybody a, was there for like history, Joe it was Rogan John. and Alex Jones' podcast. <laughs> five hours. I got through like an hour and a half, and I was like, I'm done. Okay, let me ask you this. And I was not listening to that because I'm a fan of Alex Jones. I would just like to put that out. <laughs> Good for that clarification. What uh, Scott Frost says that he wants Adrian Martinez to be a better leader this year. Is, 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 it, is it a requirement for a quarterback to be a leader? I think so. Yes. Why? You're, you're the straw that stirs the drink. You're, you're the straw <laughs> you that breaks the camel's back. Like, poor <laughs> leadership at the quarterback position. I mean... In a huddle, I and mean, we don't huddle often, but I'm just using, you know, general football terms here. In a huddle, one man talks. It's the quarterback. 
Do you want a quarterback who's got a shitty, pissy attitude and, you know, chews guys out and, you know, holds everyone accountable but himself? Or do you want somebody who's going to be the field general, going to hold himself accountable in addition to everyone else and have a calming influence on the huddle? Okay, well, there's that. In a, yeah, like in a huddle, one man talks. What? In a huddle, one man talks. Could have been a Sylvester Stallone line. Like, if I would have been talking in the huddle while the quarterback was, I would have been told to shut the fuck up. <laughs> True. Okay, Greg, what else did you have? Uh, Mo Berry, uh, one of my favorite, probably my favorite defender from last year. Um uh, he says that, uh, you know, as far as the team mentality, quote, there's not a lot of selfish people. Uh, they understand where they're at and strive to be better. When they're criticized, they take it and want to get better. They want to fix those problems. Um, and then he talked about some of his uh, weight gain. Put on some weight. I was at 225. Now I'm at 232. I feel more explosive. Um, and then uh, Jill added on the live stream, he looked the part of the rocked-up explosive linebacker. So, uh, apparently, you know, as far as, uh, you know, build goes, I mean, I thought, I thought Moberry looked like a damn explosive linebacker last year. Uh, and if he's, if he's putting on some good weight, uh, you know, there's, can't complain there, you know? Hey, there's never such a thing as too much muscle, too much lifting or too much explosiveness in football. You're just, you are just going to go with the, the lines. Start, Greg, you'll be my ghost writer. Okay, I'm ready. Um, What's your next question? Let's go to uh, HCSF, head coach Scott Frost, uh, talking about Mo Washington. He said, quote, Maurice will be a limited participant in practice this spring. I'm troubled anytime someone takes actions that shed poor light on our team, university, and state. Anyone who takes negative actions puts their status for playing time or with the team in jeopardy. That decision isn't made by me. That is made in conjunction with others, including administration. Uh, and Eric Olson, 64, uh, covered, or who was out there, uh, tweeted that on any perception, handling of Maurice Washington case last fall was done with purpose to keep him on field. Frost said, quote, that's completely not true. And then he knew very little about the situation in the fall. The extent that we knew is that a member of our staff was contacted for an interview by the Attorney General of Nebraska. At that time, we had a relationship with the former Attorney General and asked him to represent. I don't know what anybody could have done any differently. So, um, he says uh, he it, he says he doesn't think it's his place to do investigations, uh, and he says that's where people get in trouble. So, uh, as far as the as far we haven't really talked about this. I, I don't think Haas, uh, you you been on the show since any of that news really came out um i haven't heard any updates necessarily i'm I'm very ill-equipped to you know hold much more of that conversation um do we have any more i mean for either of you who who maybe follow this closer do we have any more information other than you know these are some allegations or uh you know but as far as you know criminal proceedings or anything like that or civil proceedings no i think the last thing that we heard about this case was that he uh, voluntarily surrendered himself. Okay, and that's 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 it. I mean, that's kind of 
But, you know, we did talk about it a few podcasts ago, and I said everybody has to realize that, uh, I mean, the police are not on our time frame. They're not on some kind of schedule for us. They're going to do things at a rate and, and whatever fits whatever they're doing. So, you know, I mean, we, we haven't heard anything about it. We just haven't heard anything more about it. Yeah, when something else comes out of it, I'm sure it'll be all over the news, you know. Oh, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, it's just just a weird and unfortunate situation. And I don't want to dwell on it because, as I mentioned, you know, aside from other reasons, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't have really any information, and so it's not, uh, you know, it's not anything that I can say, well, you know, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face because I don't. I just don't have... There's nothing much to be said about it. I I will say this in regards to this situation. If he remains with the, you know, throughout the legal proceedings, you know, the coming months and in the summer, if he ends up remaining with the team, and, you know, if there's something that comes of it that he gets placed on probation, let's say, I think there should probably be, you know, anywhere from a two to four game suspension. You, you messed up and, you know, reflected poorly upon the university and just, uh, you know, honestly, you, just, you know, some disciplinary measure should be taken. I, I don't disagree. Um, that being said, is is it, I'm just playing devil's advocate, as I, as I mentioned, I don't disagree. Is it a slip, slippery slope based on the timeline when you punish someone and, and I guess not because I mean you know it, it happens all the time well I mean like when it happened when the transgression occurred he was not an, a student athlete correct in Nebraska yet that is a slippery slope you know um, it just it opens itself up to a lot of different scenarios but. so you know, and again, yeah, it's a lot of stuff that we don't, you know, have all the information for. So, um, so here we go. We talked about Will Honus uh, earlier. Frost said that uh, Honus will be limited this spring, coming back from the knee injury, uh, and that uh, JoJo Doman played primarily outside linebacker day one of spring ball. Uh, Frost wants Martinez to quote fast track his leadership. And he's bullish on that, um, and uh, he says that Amart. Uh, I'm not going to call him Amart for long. I promise everybody has the type of personality people gravitate toward, uh, which I think. I think we saw that last year. You know, when when he was on the field, and even when he was not. Um, I, I I have. Uh, I think that Adrian Martinez's ceiling is very high, and I think I, I'll just leave it leave it at that. Yep, I, I, sky's the limit for him. Well, there you have it. I don't, I, I don't really know if I have anything else. Uh, I'm still twenty-four ounces of course banquets a lot. I'm just gonna say I was not prepared for twenty-four <laughs> ounces. You know what the greatest thing is? They serve those those twenty-four ounces of course banquet at Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm be able to watch us lay a country ass whooping on Colorado. Well. Double fist in a couple of those twenty-four ounces. I got this in my grocery store, and uh, when I got this and a six-pack, I think that I was like, 
you know, setting off some kind of redneck alarm. So, valuable hey, lesson was know, learned. You can't hide red, like Tracy Lawrence said, Greg, you can't hide redneck. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, John, anything else? You've been relatively quiet. I have been very quiet tonight. I know you're tired. I, I, I know Pop Pop needs a nap. Did you know? Did you know that the uh, student government had had uh, Nebraska students on whether or not to continue the the tradition yes. where Nebraska fans release balloons after the first score, first touchdown, whatever it is. I did you did know that? S- I did see that uh, in in the Slack conversation uh, today, and oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. What a yeah, yeah. waste of resources. And, and by that, I mean, what a waste of time by the student government. Who gives a shit? Well, they are the students. It's kind of the university is there for them. Well, here's the thing. On a list of things that I care about in relation to Nebraska football, the balloons are pretty much at the bottom. Well, okay. Let's take a different perspective on that. I it, we can't even let go of a freaking release the balloon tradition because <laughs> we it, love it's, dogma. It's, in this I, I mean, are the balloons that important that we couldn't just change a tradition to look a little bit more forward thinking? You know what I mean? This is the one tradition. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. This is the one tradition in which I always love the comments on like social media that where people go, "We should get rid of it. You should move to California." You tree hugger. You know, it's the one thing that politically sets off people to go into rages about things. If you change this, the serious song, they wouldn't say, you need to go to Chicago and listen to that stuff there. You know what I mean? It's just, it's bizarre to me. So, plus, you said it's, it, it's at the bottom of the list. You can't let it go. I, I mean, yeah, like, I. Honestly, if we were just churning out conference championship after conference championship and playing for some playoff, you know, appearances like Oklahoma has been for the past five years, there could be a university press release on a Friday in May about doing away with the balloons and people just be like, okay, well, cool. Are we going to win the Big Ten West again this year? But arbitrary and meaningless streaks and traditions are the only thing that we have to hold on to until we win something of consequence again. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Well done, Hawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some guy right out there right now cheering you on, and, and then he's going to go to his <laughs> fullback shrine and weep the rest of the night of the way. That's not what he's going to do. That's not what he's going to do at the fullback shrine. You know that. He's going to be like, oh. <laughs> Andy Janovich. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay, well that's that's the end. <laughs> we can't yep. we can't outdo that. <laughs> Good night, folks. Don't get to tip your waist out. <laughs> Thank you, Coors Banquet. Ah, that 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 potty humor was brought to you by twenty four ounces of pure Colorado gold. That I'm going to turn into Illinois Colorado Kool Aid. So. All right, everybody, that is it for our wonderful podcast, the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, again, a welcome back to Haas, and by God, we we missed him, and uh, we, we brought him back in style. 
For myself, Greg Mahachko, for John Dam Johnston, and for Hoss Reuter, we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go big red balloon releasers. <laughs> where, are they, where are you telling Lift them Lift heavy? Go? Lift out? Oh, man, you fucked me up, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> do, we, do we need to try it again? I was you. You were yeah, telling him to go. I, you were telling him to go. I was wondering where you were telling him to go. Were you like oh. telling him to go to hell or? No, just go. Okay. All right. Fine. Take two. I'm not cutting the first take out. All right. <laughs> for John Dam Johnston, for Hoss Reuter, I'm Greg Mahachko, reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go big red, you legendary elk piss drinkers. <laughs> Lift heavy, lift often, and win the damn off season. You know that reminds me of a of a saying that is uh, held into to the place you're going to be visiting very soon, Chicago. But instead of lift heavy, lift often, it's vote early, vote often, and that's why Illinois is in the state it's in. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. dot